So today's sermon is called Filters. And it's uh, using an idea behind um, Instagram and Snapchat filters, which I think the youth are probably more familiar with it than anyone else. Um, when I went to youth convention with the youth, I have an Instagram account, and it's from like 2014, and I never use it. <laughs> and they're like, oh, follow me on Instagram. I'm like, I'm trying to. I don't know how to do it. <laughs> they're like, are you serious? I'm like, I don't use the app. And they're like, they're like, I think Megan took my phone. And she's like, here, now you're following me. And I'm like, how do you do that? And they're like, oh, it's like teaching an old person how to use a phone. <laughs> May have been a little bit out of touch on that one. <laughs> um, but with, with uh, Instagram and Snapchat, there are photo apps that allow you to take a photo or a selfie and you take and apply different um, manipulations and filters to them to like alter the color or make things seem better than what they actually are and so forth. Um, so this sermon is using that as a kind of like a guiding principle and we're going to use it to help expose the truth that temptation comes to us with filters attached. It's sin dressed up to look good on nice and fancy. Um, so I want to go over the temptation in the Garden of Eden with Eve, but first I have a little game that I want to play, which is called Can You Spot the Fake? So we have a list of photos, and Ryan's going to play one. Is this real or fake? Real? We have a real? Any fakes? Oh, a couple fakes? This is a fake photo. This is completely photoshopped. It's a dad that just wanted to take and put his kid and make it look like he was painting. Next one. Is this real or fake? Fake? Any reels? Boo, you're all right. <laughs> uh, next one. Real or fake? Real? Ooh, a fake? This is fake. This is from a movie, and this guy superimposes himself in pictures with famous people. This is a fake. Next one. <laughs> is this real or fake? That's real? It looks real. But whenever I first looked at it, I thought it was. And then I'm like, wait a minute. Something looks a little off. Next one. <laughs> I, as you can see, the dad has a lot of fun putting his little baby into photos. <laughs> Let's go to the next one. <laughs> I, I kind of wonder if like, that is maybe a mechanic and he's like, my kid's going to grow up and be just like me working on a car. There's your future son. <laughs> Next one. Real or fake? Fake? Real? Fake? Oh, a little more division on this one. Um, something I found out when looking through these photos is a field mouse weighs six grams. A flower petal 
is 40 grams. That is real. It can actually stand on a flower and not break it. Next photo. Is that real or fake? Any fakes? Fake? That one is still real. This one is one of my personal favorites. Um, there, there is a game called uh, Fruit Ninja that you can play, and you cut um, little pieces of fruit with acting like you're a samurai. And the dad just superimposed his little baby as a ninja, cutting fruit. <laughs> Next one. Real or fake? If we go to the next slide, that is real. The previous slide was fake. Next one. Real or fake? <laughs> fake? Yeah, that, that was pretty good. That's actually the same guy from the previous slide where everyone was divided. Uh, I, was that the last one, Ryan? One more? Okay. Real or fake? Real? This is a painting. I don't know how many of these I went through, but they're all, they all look insanely real. It looks like an actual photo, but it's someone painting. Yeah, the, the closer you actually look at it, the more defects you actually see, but it takes a while to look at it. But it's, it's interesting how when we look at certain things, we think they're one thing when in actuality they're another. Um, some of them were easy to spot, to pick out. Some weren't. Um, doo -doo -doo -doo. I really need to do better outlines. I've been writing paragraphs recently rather than outlines. Um, with these instances, we aren't making any harmful choices. Uh, we're just looking at a photo, choosing real or fake, no real consequence behind that. When we go through our daily lives, though, it's a different situation. We encounter things that tempt us to do different things. Uh, on the surface, Everything seems fine, but if you look beneath the initial temptation is when you start to see if something is worthwhile to pursue or if it's something sinful that's attempting us to pull away from God. I forgot to start my timer. You got me, Ryan? <laughs> um, temptation has a habit of dressing itself up to make itself look better than it actually is. Uh, so today we're going to be going through uh, Genesis 3, verses 1 through 8. Um, I don't know why. Whenever I read scripture, I tend to not want to start at Genesis 1. I think it's because after so many years of reading the Bible, I always started at Genesis 1 and progressed the whole way through, which is really difficult to do. <laughs> um, 
but it was just like, I'm going to get through this. <laughs> so I, I don't know how many times I've read the beginning of Genesis now. So uh, sometimes I just bypass portions of Genesis. Uh, but today we shall start in Genesis 3. Um, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat it, or eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Uh, one of the funny things with, um, like, particularly this verse, is whenever people think of Adam and Eve and Eve taking the apple and biting it, they always picture Adam in a different location. But as you can see here, it's Adam is right there with her. Um, so verse 7, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sued, sewed, Ah, that's such a weird spelling for sewed. <laughs> uh, fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. And then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. The serpent's first uh, foothold in Eve's mind was tempting her to doubt what God had said. The serpent plays a little trickery with, like, starting in verse 1. It asks Eve if she's not allowed to eat any of the fruit in the garden. It's like, it's off limits. And it knows that there are certain trees that God instructed Adam and Eve not to eat from, but wants to test her memory and how much she knows what God has said. I, in verse 3, um, I, that's supposed to say Eve. Okay, in verse 3, Eve recalls uh, what's stated in Genesis 2, verse 17, that says, But you must, must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Up to this point, Eve's doing pretty good. She recalled what God said. She told the serpent, hey, God said this. Now in verse 4, the serpent is like, okay, well, Eve remembers what God said. So it has to make an adjustment as to how to approach Eve. The serpent fully contradicts what God has said and tells Eve that you're not going to die. And after eating the fruit, 
you're going to gain wisdom between good and evil. The serpent is essentially questioning God's heart and intentions. We can rephrase verses 4 and 5 to read more like this. If you believe God is withholding from you, you'll go outside of his plan and timing to experience the joy that you're looking for. Right now, and vice versa. The serpent was smart because it appealed to Eve in a flaw that in this day and time we might consider a God or Messiah complex. It's kind of like the serpent saying, you're going to be as wise as God is. You're going to be just like him. Adam and Eve were in such a rush to be like God that they didn't want to follow the timing that God gave. It's like when you're little. There are certain things you're not supposed to do. I've done plenty of them. <laughs> you shouldn't operate the stove before a certain age without some sort of training on it. Um, I was cooking ramen noodles when I was probably like six or seven on the stove. Um, and then I'll cook eggs too. For some reason, my brothers had me cook even though I was the youngest. <laughs> uh, my mom will tell you the most horrific thing we ever put her through was having her eat macaroni and cheese for a month straight <laughs> as we were cooking. Gotta love my mom for putting up with us. <laughs> Um, but the reason that kids shouldn't operate it at before a certain age is because they could hurt themselves or burn the whole building down. Um, or what if uh, they shouldn't drive yet because they don't have their permit? Or um, someone else to drive in them without their permit? Uh, rather than waiting for God to say that we're ready, we want to rush into the next thing. We see the shiny new thing, and it's something we must have. Does anyone remember a Christmas story? It, it was like one of my favorite movies as a little kid. Um, if you haven't seen it, it's on TV for 24 hours straight on some channel, and it seems like forever. Um, the main character is Ralphie, and what does Ralphie want? He wants that little BB gun, the Daisy Red Rider. It's the latest and greatest BB gun out there. Spoiler alert, Ralphie gets the BB gun. And what does he do? He shoots the glasses off of his face. <laughs> now, now, you have to admit, for Ralphie just getting a BB gun, probably never shot a gun in his life, to shoot a target, have it bounce off of the target, and almost shoot his eye out, that's pretty good aim. <laughs> the, the problem isn't that Ralphie got the BB gun. The problem was that he didn't have any training on it. I'm, I'm sure there were instructions within the box that was like, don't do this, don't do that. As Terry is indicating, we don't always read instructions. <laughs> we just want to rush into it. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I remember buying my nephew um, one of those uh, erector sets or whatever, and I'm like, 
oh, I got this. It's like, I've always wanted to play with one of these, so I got him one for Christmas so I could play with it too. <laughs> and we're sitting down, like, trying to put it together, and I'm like, we don't need instructions. And then after, like, an hour or so, it's like, where are the instructions at? <laughs> we need them. <laughs> it was like this huge roller coaster. It was, like, this high. <laughs> it was massive. Um... <laughs> Uh, when we look back at uh, Adam and Eve, we think of how they were able to eat any of the fruit in the garden except for a couple trees. While God was not restricting them not to eat of those trees at that moment in time, or while God was restricting them, sorry, um, it didn't mean that they were never going to be able to. Just as parents and teachers and mentors do, God was teaching Adam and Eve. He was walking with them every day. Unfortunately, Adam and Eve rushed to eating the fruit from the tree. And that puts us in the nice, wonderful state that we're in today. So rather than waiting for God's timing to say that it was time for them to eat from that tree, they just listened to the serpent. It was like, yeah, the serpent's right. We're going to eat from the tree. I, I kind of wonder if Adam, like whenever Eve was talking to the serpent, if Eve was like, hey, should we do this? And Adam was like, you go first. <laughs> because, I, I mean, what's... What does God say? He said, you're going to die. Adam's like, let me see if you die first. <laughs> Go ahead, eat that fruit. <laughs> and then it's funny how later on Adam's like, it was her, she did it. She made me do it. In <laughs> um, the Disney cartoon Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, the Wicked Witch gives Snow White a poisoned apple. The apple looked good, looked appealing. The same way that Eve rationalizes that the fruit on the tree in verse 6 looks good for eating and pleasing to the eye. Temptation is often disguised in this manner. It can seem good and appealing, but rarely is in the long haul. Uh, one of the interesting things by these passages is that in verse 6, she also gives some of the fruit to Adam. It's like the current culture of the internet where there's a temptation to hate and to dislike someone. People come out of the woodwork to hate and attack one specific individual. As I was looking for those photos, I was on a site called Bored Panda, and I saw a post about Mark Zuckerberg. He is the creator of Facebook. And there were all sorts of photos that were manipulated in the same manner that those were to make fun and to mock him. A lot of them were comparing him to a robot or like data or data from Star Trek. In essence, they were just questioning his humanity because the lack of exterior emotion and because of some of the emotions that he displayed. Uh, so I was reading some of the comments that people were posting at the bottom of that article. 
And out of all of the comments, there was one that stuck out to me, that rather than bashing Mark Zuckerberg, the commenter chose to call out what was actually occurring with the different photos. They wrote, if there is one thing the internet is good at, it's uniting and coming together to hate one person for a few days. Just let that sink in. <laughs> uh, think about when uh, you were younger, and possibility you were probably bullied or picked on to some degree. It was common to have maybe a classroom size of people pick on you. First, it starts with one person falling into this temptation of wanting to be superior to you, making you feel inferior. Then they prompt others to do so as well, because, I mean, what's the enjoyment in it if no one else is doing it with me? As kids, we were blessed not to have the internet. Even though it was around, it wasn't around the way it is now. Um, we had bad phases of being teased and picked on, but it really only resided within the neighborhood or the town that we lived in. The youth growing up today don't have that anymore. The, the temptation that one individual may have to feel more power over another, to bully them, is now able to be multiplied billion times over. When we think of things like, back in the day, we had it rough because of this or that. And then we're like, the youth don't have it rough. They do. Because of the ability for this day and age for things to go viral. Does anyone not know what viral means? Because I'll break it down quick. Okay. The temptation to sin in the form of bullying is no longer bound to a local space. It can be spread around the globe in a matter of minutes. When thinking of temptation, we can use fishing as a nice example. Would a fisherman throw a hook out into the water with nothing on it? Yeah? No? 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 I didn't think so. No, they put a worm on it. They know that to catch a fish, they have to appeal to the fish's desire to eat. The worm looks good. It fulfills their desire to have food. It's an easy prey. What the fish doesn't know is that the easy prey that it sees is nothing more than a disguise. Next thing it knows, there's a hook tearing through its flesh and pulling it out of its natural habitat. Oftentimes, the instant gratification that we receive from following a temptation is met with a lifelong journey of pain and resentment. If you don't believe me, just think of the last fish you ate. And never realized that the worm dangling in the water would take it from everything it knew. But it sure did taste tasty, didn't it? Uh, when we think of what causes temptation, it's normally something that we think we should be able to do or have. Not being able to have or do something we often view as something constricting. 
whether it's the child feeling like you don't want them to drive or Ralphie not getting his BB gun, the fish not being able to eat at that moment, people criticizing others for being different than themselves. Each of these instances shows a case of instant gratification. A child driving before they should may give them the feeling of being more of an adult, having more freedom. Bullies get to feel superiority over other individuals. There are temptations in each of these scenarios and others that we face every day. The temptations that we face can be defeated when we follow God's commands, though. Rather than viewing God's commands as constricting, we should view them as beautifully protective. God desires to protect us from, from sin and harm. Temptation compels us to indulge in it. When wondering if we're being tempted, we should always compare the temptation to what God's word says. If we remember what God has said, we can follow his teaching and know that the temptation is trying to pull us away from God's plan. Eve was on the right path. When the serpent started to tempt her, she recalled what God had said. Where she strayed was going for her temptation of knowing the difference between good and evil rather than following what God had said. God said, don't eat the fruit on the tree of knowledge of good and evil. When the serpent followed in verse 4, saying, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. All she had to do was say, God said this, and remove herself from the presence of the serpent. Just as Jesus did when he was being tempted for 40 days, well, after 40 days when he was really hungry, really hungry, 40 days. I don't think KFC would satisfy that hunger. But with Jesus' example, we can see that he was being tempted by Satan. He quoted what God said in Scripture and then followed up with, get away from me, Satan, removing himself from the situation. So let us stand against the temptations that Satan throws our way. Stand steadfast in God's word, in the teachings of Jesus, and follow the Holy Spirit to where we need to be in order to be utilized by him for God's kingdom. Let us bow and pray. Father, um, please uh, protect us from Satan and all his deceitfulness. Uh, keep us close to you. Um, help us to read your word and take it to heart. And anytime we're faced with the temptation to ask whether or not it's following your ways or following the ways of the world. And help us to lead others closer to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.